Good morning, my name is Pastor Danny Deeth and I welcome you to Sunday morning at First Presbyterian Church. It is summer in Columbus, Georgia and we are doing some things in new and different ways and we encourage you to hold true for your faith as well. Let's seek God in some new and different ways. We can do this together. We're glad you're here, come on in. Our first scripture reading is from the book of Ezekiel 17, 22 through 24. Thus says the Lord God, I myself will take a sprig from the lofty top of a cedar. I will set it out. I will break off a tender one from the topmost of its young twigs. I myself will plant it on a high and lofty mountain. On the mountain height of Israel, I will plant it in order that it may produce boughs and bear fruit and become a noble cedar. Under it, every kind of bird will live. In the shade of its branches will nest winged creatures of every kind. All the trees of the field shall know that I am the Lord. I will bring low the high tree, I will make high the low tree, dry up the green tree, and make the dry tree flourish. I, the Lord, have spoken. I will accomplish it. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our second reading is taken from the Gospel of Mark. We are in chapter 4. Verses 26 through 34. Listen again with fresh ears. Mark 4, 26 through 34. He also said, The kingdom of God as if is as if someone would scatter seed on the ground and would sleep and rise night and day, and the seed would sprout and grow, he does not know how. The earth produces of itself first the stalk, then the head, then the full grain in the head. But when the grain is ripe, at once he goes in with the sickle because the harvest had come. He also said, with what can we compare the kingdom of God? Or what parable will we use for it? It is like a mustard seed, which when sown upon the ground is the smallest of all seeds on earth, yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes the greatest of all shrubs and puts forth large branches so the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. With many such parables, he spoke the word to them, and they were able to hear it. He did not speak to them except in parables, but he explained everything in private to his disciples. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So indeed, I want to talk to you about an amazing man. 
born into this world just like you and me. He had a call. He had a mission. He was given special gifts by God to do certain things. A humble carpenter who worked his trade until he was called to his new mission. He has generated followers. He has started movements and groups. And of course, I'm talking about Harrison Ford, the actor. Harrison Ford started acting, if you remember, in the movie American Graffiti. He was 30 at that time, one of his first roles. But while he was looking for that big break, he was a carpenter. And just like we often hear kind of the traditional stereotypical way that most who are trying to become actors and actresses in Hollywood are waitresses, waiters and waitresses, for Harrison Ford, his gig was better. He would choose and pick roles. He had some smaller roles, but turned down a lot. Said, nope, I'll wait, I'll go build another cabinet. I'll wait for the right roles. Not that he appreciates every role he's had or the work that he's done. Sometimes you got to go with the opportunities that are there. But he had young children when he was starting. He had to feed them in a more significant way and for him, carpentry was that way. And the urban legend is that because he was in American Graffiti, George Lucas, who was looking to cast for his new movie called Star Wars, said, I'm not using anybody in American Graffiti in Star Wars. I don't want to be one of those directors that just keeps pulling the same actors and actresses back into new projects. So time is going, they're seeking to fill those actors and cast for Star Wars. Harrison Ford continuing, even though he had a little bit of success in American Graffiti, waiting for that next role, is in Francis Ford Coppola's office, fashioning a new door and entryway to his office. George Lucas comes back to visit Francis Ford Coppola, sees Harrison Ford there looking all manly and heroic and all sawdust covered and brought back to his mind and said, you know what, maybe he can help me a little bit. I, I still don't want him, but I'm going to use him to read the lines so we can read the other actors. So as other actors for the other parts in Star Wars came in, he played Han Solo, but was told he would not have the role. He was just there to work the lines. And the more he read and the more people came through, Lucas finally said, I, I haven't seen anybody that I feel better in that role, offered it to Harrison Ford. Still, didn't really cement him as the actor we would know he would come to be. He would have this incredible life journey as an actor. What was the next? Indiana Jones. But it was Star Wars that got him Indiana Jones. It was American Graffiti that got him Star Wars. And it may have been working on that door that got him in through George Lucas. 
Indiana Jones is celebrating 40 years since its release in 81, Star Wars 77, I believe. When he started, he was paid $500 for American Graffiti. I think now he's worth something like $220 million. And he's 78 and filming Indiana Jones 5. Come on! He's had an amazing career. Started in this little place. And he grew and he grew. His roles grew. And he didn't just do those two roles. He wanted not to be just typecasted, although those two will be the what he's most known for, Han Solo and Indiana Jones, but did many others that were good movies. He's had an amazing career of growth. And today, that's what we're talking about. Jesus, we're in Mark, Mark 4. Still early, and if you remember, last week we were talking about Jesus squaring off with the scribes. They had accused him of healing people by the power of Satan, by the power of the devil. Which meant that they were saying the Holy Spirit was not the source of Jesus' power. And in doing so, had condemned themselves for what they call the unforgivable sin, but it's what they brought on themselves, saying that the Holy Spirit wasn't there. And so they cut themselves off from access to what would be their forgiveness. They did that to themselves. And Jesus said, you remember, a kingdom divided against itself can't stand, a house divided against itself all similarly cannot stand. But it wasn't talking about just groups of people, although there's application there. He was making the point that if I was powered by Satan, Jesus is saying, I'm not going to cast out my own people, these other demons. If I'm Satan, I'm not casting out these demons. They're working for me. We're on the same team. Can Satan cast out Satan is what Jesus says. So he's teaching there. We continue in this mode of teaching. The first 20 verses in chapter 4, we get to the sower that we know pretty well. He's starting to talk about parables, little stories, teaching. Jesus was a teacher. Called him rabbi, meaning teacher. And he's starting to get into more kingdom of God understanding. So we know, again, the first part, the sower went out to sow. Sower scatters the seeds all over the place. Four types of soil. That first one is like a dirt path that's been walked on, chariots, horses. It's hard. It's impacted. You can't get seeds in there, but God's going to sprinkle them there anyway. Then the second is the rocky soil. You can get into some of those crevices. There's a little bit of soil, but the danger is that if it grows, the sun hits them and they don't have roots and they can wither and die. The third one is a thorny soil. And the danger there is that the thorns can reach up and grab the growth and can strangle it and kill that growth. And then the fourth, the ideal, is the good soil. Ah, nice, rich, delicious, nutrient-filled soil that when the seeds land there, they almost certainly will grow. 
But again, important to know that God puts those seeds in all of those places, just not in places he know they will grow. That love, that abundance that God has, that grace, God is flinging it everywhere because he wants everybody to have it. He wants everybody to claim it and he wants everybody to grow. So that takes us to our story today. Right after, right on the heels of the sower who went out to sow, we have two parables about the kingdom of God. Jesus talks about the kingdom of God a lot. Sometimes he explains and sometimes he doesn't. As Vicki mentioned at the end of our passage, he says he went and explained a little bit more to the disciples. We weren't privy to that conversation, but not to the crowd. So they had to go and they had to think and they had to wonder. So he continues teaching, continues reinforcing. So we move from the sower went out to sow to two more stories about seeds and growth in the kingdom of God. The first section is about a sower who planted, planted seeds. All good, slept day and night. We have a little time-lapse thing going on. This didn't happen overnight. Sooner or later, those seeds sprouted and they grew. And it says he did not know why. How's that happen? He knew how. He knew the pieces to have in place to make sure that it was good, fertile ground. He knew the amount of water and sunlight, how to position them, where to put them, how to prepare that soil. He knew why, but he didn't know how. How does that happen? Well, there's simple chemical reactions. How do we grow things? The key here is that God grows things. We have enough understanding of science and how to do all that, which science and faith are interwoven, friends. They, one does not exist without the other. But still there is mystery, but still there is God present to make the growth happen. And then when the growth happens at the right time, the farmer goes and harvests. That's the first one. And then the second, again, familiar words, to what shall we compare the kingdom of God, Jesus says again, even though he's just done it several times. Ah, the mustard seed, the smallest of all seeds, although I don't think it is, grows into some traditions, uh, some translations say a great tree. It's not a tree, it's a bush. But there are big bushes and shrubs. Our NRSV says shrubs. And from that teeny little thing came something that could sustain life in the way of birds making nests, provide shade, growth in its branches strong enough that other animals and kind of the ecosystem can be developed and sustained. So a lot of this agricultural understanding, that was who they were at that time. We still grow a lot, maybe not you or me, but there's still a lot of our own food grown in this country, and we thank those farmers who continue to do that hard work. Can't imagine. I was an intern 
in Tonkawa, Oklahoma when I was in seminary. North central Oklahoma, not too far from Wichita, about 20 miles. 2,000 member town, dying. There's a little college there, Northern Oklahoma College, NOC. And it was a great relationship. They couldn't afford a full-time pastor at First Presbyterian Church in Tonkawa, Oklahoma. So they had seminary students come be the pastor for a year. It's what convinced me that I wanted to become ordained and become a pastor. When I had come through the realm of Christian education, as Vicki did, we met in graduate school. And while I was there, it's just wheat fields. That's all. Wheat fields. Many members of that congregation were farmers. All it took was one storm to wipe out their crop for the year. How do you make a living like that? Hard, but we're thankful for those who do and who for generations have continued to farm and plant and reap the goodness that they sow because we benefit from it as well. So the first thing I want you to know about this is the seeds, and I want you to think about yourself as the seed in this first part. God made you, God makes seeds. You've heard that little phrase, bloom where you're planted. Well, you're planted here. You've been given everything that you need. You are in good soil. You've been given water and sunlight and nutrients. But sometimes as we look at this as an understanding of growing in faith, we have a choice that the seeds do not. We can choose not to grow. The seeds can't. It's a simple process of reaction to chemicals and that whole process. But we can have all that in our surroundings. We can be nurtured in all of those ways and say, you know, nope, I'm happy as a seed. And if you're the farmer, if you're the sower, as we would see God looking down, planting us so that we grow in faith and love and light to become those shrubs that not only transforms ourselves, but has impact on those around us in the world. God gives us the choice of whether we grow or not. That's got to be frustrating for God. Sitting there looking down on us as, as a farmer looks down on a seed in the dirt. Come on, you've got everything you need. Grow, grow. Along the lines of a watched pot never boils, a watched seed never sprouts, perhaps. We have that choice. Because sometimes we're afraid of what that sprout is going to mean. Are we going to sprout a little Jesus freak over here? A little pull away from society and become a monk over here? Am I going to have to sell everything I own over here? Is there a leaf of, do I have to go and tell other people about Jesus over here? We're afraid of a lot of things that God calls us to. 
But that is our design, that is our goal, and we will be the most happy when we grow and when we sprout through what Christ and the Holy Spirit have given us and caused us to grow. But we can choose not to. So I encourage you to think about your own growth as a seed. How can you grow? Former coach Tony Dungy talks about football game plans, former NFL coach. And he says, everybody has their role, but they may not understand how it contributes to the bigger game plan. If you're on the offense, you may understand your scheme there, but you may not see the, understand the defense, vice versa. You were brought there because you have certain gifts and skills that contribute to that whole team. And if you say, no, I'm not going to let myself grow because I don't know what the end result is going to be, or I'm not convinced, coach, that you've sold me on your plan, so I'm, gonna, I'm just going to sit on the sidelines. The job doesn't get done. The team is hurt. It's not as good as it could be. The plan still goes. The coach still goes. The team still goes. But without your help, and without your transformation. Same thing with us. You can see that as the larger kingdom of God. You can see it as a part of this church. Only you were given what you have. There's only one you, and it's you. Only one me, and it's me. But together, we need to sprout together. We can help one another because we've all been given those gifts of nutrients and water and good soil. And truth be told, we come in and out of good soil at different parts of our lives. And we're always in the process of growing, or we should be. We never get to a point where we're done growing and say, I've got God figured out enough. I'm going to go on my merry way and just hold that in the back of my mind. If we're not growing, then we have chosen to be those seeds that just stay huddled up in the dirt because we think that that's better. So we need to grow. Second, we become the sowers. We need to sow. That seed, just like in the, the parable of the sower, is the Word of God, Jesus Christ, however you look at that. And we sow those any place that we can. Improbable starts. Almost everything in life is an improbable start. So many things, including you and me, most of us were born as babies. And we grew and we grew. Improbable starts. Jesus Christ himself is a seed and a parable that came as an infant in miraculous way and grew to what has been billions and billions of people who have followed for the last 2,000 years. We become impatient as the farmer who's waiting to see the seed grow. I know it. We're all guilty. But what the first part of this passage shows us is that sometimes we have to be patient and let God do the growing. 
We can't force it. We can't make it happen. We can't stand over that seed and say, hey, grow. The farmer with the bigger field down the row, he's sprouting stuff. Why aren't you? It's frustrating sometimes when we have to be patient. And that also doesn't mean we fully give up and withdraw. We're always trying to condition. We're always trying to keep that ideal environment for nutrients and sun and water. But just like this farmer, we have to trust God. And sometimes we don't. We want to make it happen ourselves. Stuff doesn't grow that way. Martin Luther used to say after he had preached his pulpit-pounding sermon, sinners would go home, have a warm glass of Wittenberg beer, and let the gospel run its course. That's a direct quote. He would go home after worship, have a warm beer, German, and he would let the gospel run its course. He didn't go home after worship and start calling people and say, hey, did you hear what I said? Of course, they also had no phones. But he would go visit, could have gone to visit them and say, I just wanted to reinforce what I said earlier because it was so important, good, powerful stuff from God today. Did you hear it? Did you take it in? Uh-uh. Just like that farmer, he stepped back, said, I did my thing. Now it's God's turn. So it's a difficult interplay sometimes to know where we are to be involved and where we let God do the growing. But that's our call. And if we stop sowing seeds of Christ, what else stops growing? His love, His grace, His light, His salvation, His welcoming to God's kingdom. If we stop sowing those seeds, then so too does that stop. To grow and to sow, two things. We can't ever stop growing in our faith, and that happens in a lot of ways. We can help you here. And then you sow. You take it out because it's not just us that are looking to grow and be transformed. Our growth impacts the world. So in closing, um, I will say something, and I just want you to say in response, we sow seeds. Ready? Let's try it. One, two, three. We sow seeds. When the weather is beautiful and the soil is gorgeous, we sow seeds. When it is stormy and the soil and the ground is inhospitable, we sow seeds. Where there is hatred, we sow seeds. Where there is darkness, we sow seeds. Where there is injustice for anybody, we sow seeds. Where there are those battling addictions, we sow seeds. Where there are those who are hungry, who are homeless, who are locked in the darkness of mental illness, we sow seeds. That's who we are as God's people.
So let us grow and let us sow. Hallelujah. Amen.